action in the street is exciting But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting I've been reading and writing We need to handle our financial situation Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? I'm past patiently waiting and passionately Smashing every expectation, every action To act of creation I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow For the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into a brand new episode of Let's Dive Deep. My name is Bradley. And I am Connor. And today we are going to be starting our deep dive into the hit Broadway musical and pop culture phenomenon, Hamilton. During today's deep dive, we will be focusing on the first four songs of the musical. Those are Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr, Sir, My Shot, and The Story of Tonight. As we dive in, though, we will be taking into account the Disney Plus version of the musical, the soundtrack, and, of course, the experience of seeing the show live. So no matter where or how you have experienced Hamilton, this is the perfect place for you to be. Before we get started, now is a great time to remind everyone that Let's Dive Deep contains adult content. In this collection of songs, Hercules Mulligan warns everyone to lock up their daughters and horses and expresses the view of which I I do not see the problem with that it's hard to have intercourse over four sets of corsets, in 2021, we don't have corsets, so I'm just going to assume that's correct. But if that's not something you want to talk about or hear us discuss today, then now's a great time to, to tune out of the podcast. Additionally, spoilers might be another really good reason to tune out of the podcast because this show will contain spoilers. Many of them, a lot of them, they're going to be coming in fast and hot and with <laughs> reckless abandon. Because while our focus today is on the first four songs, we're going to discover some things in those first four songs that are going to be relevant to things much later in the show. So in order to apply context to things, we're going to be skipping around. So just remember, we will be taking the entire musical into our reckoning in context while we are discussing. Into our reckoning. I love that. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, you can find other Let's Dive Deep series in your favorite podcatcher. Up to the point of recording this, I have also completed a deep dive into Bridgerton that might tickle your fancy. And you can find that simply by searching Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton, or it'll be in the show notes if you prefer that. And finally, please do not throw away your shot. If you are having a good time, go and leave us those five-star reviews wherever you are listening to this. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Let's Dive Deep and send in your questions and comments to Let's Dive Deep pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And we would love to hear you listening to that Bridgerton podcast because it's really, really good. Okay, now that we are ready to go, let's kick back, relax, maybe grab your beverage of choice if you want, and let's dive deep into Hamilton. The word got around, they said this kid is insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education, don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. 
And there's a million things I haven't done. Just you wait. Just you wait. All right, so we are here. And the first song, whether you're on Disney+, Plus, you're going to see live, you've sat in your chair, you've clicked the play button, you're on Spotify listening to the soundtrack for the first time, and Alexander Hamilton comes on. What are your initial impressions of this song? It, it's the it needs to capture you. It needs to get you into the play. What are your thoughts on it? It's as unconventional an overture as possible, right? And it's it's hard to even call it an overture because while it does serve as the introduction to this character and the show itself, this immediately lets you know that this musical is not oklahoma or carousel right you know we don't have a conventional overture from the golden age of musicals here we have just a couple bars before we start getting into the narration from aaron burr and those first couple bars are percussive and aggressive they're right up front and they are coming at you right they're not subtle and your first impression of this song i think for most people is really impactful. That's, that's my take, at least. What about you? Yeah, so so the first time I saw Hamilton, I knew nothing about Hamilton other than knowing of Alexander Hamilton. Oh, wow. And, so yeah, you, so, okay, you so saw the... My, here's oh, my wow, journey okay. through Hamilton. Yeah. I knew nothing of it. I knew it was popular. I liked Lin-Manuel Miranda. I knew of Hamilton. I knew how popular the, the musical was. I was in the UK, and I was there for work and the only play i was planning on seeing was harry potter and the cursed child but hamilton also in town at the time there was no reason for me to not go and see hamilton so i had never listened to the soundtrack it was the disney plus version wasn't even a thing yet and the disney plus version we all enjoy only came out early because of covid it was meant to be coming out this year not last and so the disney plus version wasn't even a thing that anyone knew about and so i just like i was sitting in my chair and you're right like it just that initial kind of just tune that repeats itself throughout the the musical, it just grabs you. You're just immediately in. And the, the song immediately slows down after that. Like, it starts with a lot of snaps and builds up throughout it. But yeah, that initial bit, it just grabs you. And what I think I like most about Alexander Hamilton, just from a broad view, is that it, it gives you all the exposition you need. I talked about this in the Bridgerton podcast. Just anytime you're beginning a book or a play or any piece of literature mm -hmm. or art, really, you, you need mm -hmm. to give the exposition. You're being dropped media res into a story that's already happening. And they're just kind of picking you up like the claw in Toy Story and putting you in. And so they need to fill in everything you need to know. And so a lot of this song is just telling you about Hamilton. It's just the other characters that are unnamed giving you information about his story up until the point we meet him. But it's not boring at all. It's, it's very captivating. The way the choreography is done in the lighting and, and the, the way the song builds up, it really, it really keeps you going and gives you that sense of momentum. Because a lot of it is just saying things about Hamilton that if you just read them on a piece of paper would be quite boring. But it's, it's not at all. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't know if I agree it would be boring if read, but I, I will agree that it's definitely more interesting in this format. And I think, I, I, I think one of the reasons for that is because the song asks as many questions as it answers. It starts with a question, right? Um, it starts with several. And I think that that is one of the things that 
that intrigues the audience and gets you hooked in because it it tells you everything that he will accomplish and it tells you where he started but it doesn't answer the middle bit right so you got to you got to stay tuned for that and these are very intriguing questions if you look at his provenance you know uh, a bastard orphan son of a whore and a scotsman right from a in the middle of a forgotten place in the caribbean yeah it could be difficult to believe that he would ascend to what he does right but the absolutely uh, yeah but part of those questions and this is this is really key with theater not just musical theater but this is key these questions form a uh, a contract with the audience right they make a promise this song says i promise you listener the show will answer these questions so now we have a bond right the show and the audience are now connected because they have this contract between each other and if the audience buys into that premise they buy the rest of the show this is something that i believe about theater generally if you buy the concept you will be able to accept almost everything in that show. If you, can't, if you can't get behind the concept from Jump Street, the show will struggle to win you over as it goes along. Yeah, so when I first watched this, when I first watched the, the musical live, the, the, you're just so overwhelmed, right? You're just so overwhelmed. There's so much going on in the best way possible. And so everyone is kind of saying their association with him and all these characters are unnamed which is great because you're 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 right because it asks more questions you know these characters loved him you can see them on the on the balcony you know mm -hmm. who they are you'll recognize them when they come on stage later but they remain unnamed you don't know who it is that loves you don't know who it is that died for hamilton you don't know who it is that trusted him but you know these people exist and that they did the moment that got me though the the moment I was in on the contract as a as a viewer for the first time was when Aaron Burr just center stage goes and I'm the damn fool that shot him. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm fucking in on this. Like, I need to know why you shot this man because I didn't know Alexander Hamilton got shot. Like, I don't know anything about the guy other than he exists. Uh huh. And so, and the whole premise of the musical like is to tell a story about the forgotten founding father. They go over that a little bit at the end. Right, every other founding father's story gets told, except yeah. for Alex. So this is his story being told, and that's part of the the premise of the of the musical. And so, as a viewer, when I find out, like, oh, he was shot, and you don't know why, you don't know if it was murder or if it was a duel. You don't know it's a duel right away. I thought he was murdered. Like when I first watched this, I was like, oh God, why would you? Like, what happened? <laughs> what is this? What is this bastard orphan son of a whore do? To this, you know, I don't even think you know it's Burr. His name is Burr at this point. So you have no idea other than this dude who is at this point, like narrating the story to you, shoots the guy he's narrating the story about. And it's so, it's so, so fascinating. Uh, you're totally right, though, the contract with the audience, because that's when I signed up right away. I, was yeah. like, I need to know how this guy gets murdered what do you make of the decision because i think you have to make this decision early on as someone who's much more well versed in theater than me what are, what do you make of the decision by lin-manuel to give you a lot of the play at the beginning because you have to make that choice before you even make the play you can't do half of it and then go oh you know what we should give them a little more here you, you kind of have to do it like the Star Wars prequels where the intention is you know where Anakin Skywalker ends up, but what you don't know is how he got there. 
do you think there's a way to tell this story without that? And it's easy to say, because Hamilton is a huge success, so it's easy to say there's no better way to do this, and I probably don't think there is. Um, but do you think it's, a, within the theater realm, a, a common move, a smart move, the obvious move, or do you think Lin-Manuel was taking a lot of risks by by trying to decide what the audience needed to know and what they didn't? There's a, a bit of, you know, it's it's a complex thing, because on the one hand, yeah, you can you can do it the other way because that's been done before. There have been plenty of biographical musicals done already. Right. But I do not think that that style would have suited Lin-Manuel's style of creating art. You, you really can't, you really can't do a straight ahead traditional musical with Lin-Manuel Miranda involved at the top tier. Because if you look at, in the Heights, something he, that he did before, it's also not really straight ahead traditional. And I think in this case, Lin Manuel Miranda and I'm I, I'm blanking on the musical director um, and the people that worked on the compositions and arrangements with him. But I, I mean, Alexander Hamilton was hundreds of years ago, right? So a, yeah, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people will already know this story. I think what attracted, this is just my supposition, uh, and this is just anecdotal on my part, right? Um, oh, yeah, that's the whole point of the podcast. The, yeah. Our, the, our anecdotal kind of blatherings on about Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. So I heard that the inspiration for this musical came from a vacation that Lin-Manuel Miranda took after in the Heights came down and he got a biography of Alexander Hamilton and his, and, and his experience of reading the book was how did I not know all of this? Yeah. The Ron Chernow biography. I've read it since this podcast. It's, it's really podcast. good. It's the right? musical. It's very good. It's a yeah. very good. Um, it's a very good uh, biography. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that part of the reason that it, the show is presented in this way is that the questions that are posed in the song Alexander Hamilton are the same questions that Lynn had whilst reading the book. That's my headcanon. I'd never put that connection. That's a, that's good headcanon. I'm going to make that my headcanon. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Steal it, take it, use it. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, and there's still, there is still intrigue in the show after this song. We know the roles that these individuals played in his life, but we do not know their name. In fact, his name is the only one that's mentioned in the opening song. Yeah, correct. He's the only one. I was thinking, like, was Burr mentioned, but it wasn't. No, we don't. It's just, yeah, you don't know anyone but Hamilton. Right. We don't get that until song two. And it's interesting, the duality between these two songs, right? We have Alexander Hamilton starting with this, you know, flam tap thing on the snare and then right into it with the the heavy uh, orchestral underscoring. And then with Aaron Burr, we have something similar, but it starts in a, in a different place. It starts in a sharper, higher place where it's just a, a, a more tinny sounding snare without as much underscoring. And so we, have, we already have similarities between these two in the orchestration, but still letting the lyrics outline the differences. So I, I still, I think it's, yeah... It's curious to give all these answers away in the opening, but this is not like 
this is only the first hit for free, right? <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not an unlimited free supply. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, I th- I think it's really clever and I think the positioning Aaron Burr as the narrator. Tell t- tell me how you feel about this. Yeah, I, positioning, I'm ready. Positioning him as the narrator makes him a uniquely sympathetic antagonist. I mean, yes. At, throughout the musical, I, what, one of the things this song does really well, and, and with Aaron Burser that I'll talk about there as well, and with My Shot, is you, you have these moments of, of vulnerability with Hamilton, where he's saying he's never had a group of friends before, and this song, you're, you're getting the backstory about the hurt, like just all the shitty things that have happened in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming people who are listening have listened to the song, but there's a this song is just a parade of shitty things that have happened to Hamilton up until this point. But with Burr as the narrator, he takes the time to give you enough sympathetic moments with him that you root for him too. You definitely get to the point in this podcast where you are. I don't know if frustrated with him is the right word. I get frustrated with him a little bit every time I I, I watch it. But you definitely feel a little bit bad for him. You definitely certainly understand where he's coming from. Certainly, if anything, whether you root for him or don't root for him. And your your opinion will change the more you, you watch it or, or listen to the soundtrack, just like anything does. The more you revisit a book, the more things you'll pick up and, and notice. But I, I totally I totally agree that the Aaron Burr as the narrator gives you the chance to... I don't want to say humanize the villain, because I don't even think he's the villain of the story. I think I think it's just... I think he's just the villain to Hamilton, but I don't know if he's the villain of the story necessarily in the same way like Voldemort and Harry Potter is a villain. I think Aaron Burr and Hamilton and all of these characters are just people that aren't perfect people who who are trying to make their way through the world and get frustrated at, at the other characters. And that that's very true to life to me. So mm-hmm. I think Aaron Burr being the narrator gives you a chance to explore Hamilton's kind of lower moments in a way that makes sense because of course Burr would want you to explore Hamilton's lower moments to kind of take a dig at him, but also to have some sympathetic moments with Burr, especially later on in the, in the musical where, where the villain is successfully humanized for lack of a better term. And by the end you're rooting for Hamilton because of course you are the place called Alexander Hamilton. If you weren't rooting for Hamilton, that that's probably not ideal, but I, I never found myself not rooting for Burr. I, I found myself almost like feeling a little bad for him. Yeah, and I don't think that that's an uncommon reaction. I th- I think that many viewers and listeners of this musical feel that way because he's not Cruella Deville. That's what I mean. Like he's not he's not a he's not an evil person. He's not the bad guy. He's yeah. just a flawed, imperfect person. And because this play is about Hamilton, it looks a little bit worse. But if you wrote this play from a different perspective, if someone else was narrating Aaron Burr's life, you could use the same. It's kind of like in baseball, trying to pick the stat to make your case. You could take all of these same sets of circumstances and rework them and tell and like reshape the musical in a way where Hamilton feels more like the bad guy. This musical could be called Aaron Burr. And you just reframe everything, and all of a sudden, Aaron Burr's a little more sympathetic, and Hamilton's more the the bad guy. But I don't think I don't think Aaron Burr's not an evil person. No, he's he's just and a flawed person who makes mistakes like everyone else. And I, it's part of the charm of the musical is that there's he's not a he's not the bad guy here. But that's explicitly 
corrupted by his dialogue in a brilliant way when he says, you made me the villain in your history. Yes, you yeah. Know, he yeah, huh, he believes, yeah. you know, that and they won't teach this in your classes, but he was wearing his glasses. Why? Except to take deadly aim. You know, like he, and you you are willing to buy into Burr's point of view because as he's functioning as the narrator, Aaron Burr is actually the character that the audience spends the most intimate time with. The yeah, audience he... spends more time with direct address from Aaron Burr than any other character. Yeah, I think the play could, if you reworked it a little bit, you could call this play Aaron Burr and not Alexander Hamilton. You have to reframe the focus of some of it. But yeah. I think, I think in, in practice, like you, you get just as much Aaron Burr as you get Hamilton. You get just as much of his story. Uh, what I like about Aaron Burr, too, is the narration changes over the play. And it's one of the things that's interesting to track because it's one of those, it, it just consciously happens as you're, you're listening to it. And I certainly wouldn't have noticed, like I've needed to watch this play 30 times to, to really get a grasp on how I feel about everything. But Aaron Burr starting off in this song is very factual. He's not really mm -hmm. having a point of view. He's just telling you, how does this guy, how does this bastard orphan son of a whore become a hero and a scholar? But later, later, it's like his, his narration is his point of view. It is, yeah. And it slowly moves into that. It doesn't happen. It doesn't it doesn't just take a turn. As we get especially around room where it happened is where it really takes the the dive into like how he feels about it. But he starts here as just the narrator of the story. He was there, he was a part of a lot of it, so he's going to narrate it and pretty factually. But later, he's he's coloring, he's 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 uh he's giving you his point of view and how he feels about it along with what happened and it's a slow kind of descent into into viewing him as more of the bad guy who shoots Hamilton, but it takes a while to get there and it's very justified. I don't feel like by the time Aaron Burr goes from where he is in this song to where he is later in the play, I never felt that wasn't earned. It's a very slow justified um, kind of path towards Aaron Burr feeling like the villain in the history, blaming other people, that, that type of thing. And it, it's a very cool thing to track. Yeah. And it's a expert performance from Leslie Odom jr. Too. That's, you can't you can't count that out in making Burr such a sympathetic character. Yeah, he is more. It, it one of the things I want to do during the podcast is kind of highlight how the characters are different based on on who on who played them. Because of course, I saw it live without the Disney Plus cast, without the original cast, mm -hmm. and the Disney Plus cast adds a very. We'll talk about it during my shot a little bit. I think with with Lin Manuel, um, but the Aaron Burr on the Disney Plus version is definitely a better i don't want to say better as if the other guy wasn't talented but definitely like a better i don't know i think it didn't um or leslie odom win a tony for this performance like it's an award-winning performance it's not like just your run-of-the-mill it's an incredible i don't know how to i'm not a, i'm not a music theater nerd in the same way a lot of people are but like whatever whatever music theater view you would have on on giving out awards his performance is above the performance of the aaron burr that i watched I don't oh, know how else to put that, but Leslie Odom really brings you in in a way that's just not the same as the Aaron Burr did. Not that the other Aaron Burr that I watched did it poorly, but just it's just not the same level of talent, I don't think. Yeah, this is truly a once-in-a-generation level performance, and that that is not to disparage anybody else that's played the role. This is just truly... This, this is a masterclass in performance. It really, really is. I think history will remember this as one of the great musical performances. 
Yeah, and the best part is we get to like wait for it and room where it happened. We get to talk about it, and like those are his kind of standout. He has a lot of great performances. Those are the ones where he's he's solo, just standing out on his own. Yeah, and it's just incredible. Before we move on to to Aaron Burr, sir, what are your thoughts on the color of this? of this tune here because color is one of the way there's only so many ways you can tell a story mm-hmm. and musicals in general don't they don't have a lot of words in them i don't know what the word count of hamilton is but you have to tell your story very succinctly you don't have a lot of time to to spend wasting you don't have you don't have any wasted time every every word every moment every minute every second of choreography has to be perfect for the story you're telling because you only have a couple of hours to do it and in this song the use of color tries to tell the story and so just from like a layman's perspective someone who has never been in musical theater who's just who likes musicals who goes to plays um who enjoys shakespeare and that type of stuff but not someone who's super in on it one of the things i noticed was that the color of this song tells you a lot everyone except for burr starts off in white Mm -hmm. right so burr is the person who's wearing who has any kind of color so immediately your eyes are drawn to him. He's narrating and he has a colored jacket on. This guy's important. The only other person in this whole song to get any kind of color is Alexander Hamilton when he gets a similarly colored jacket. And so I was wondering if you found it effective or if it was even intentional from your point of view. Surely it was. But how did the color for you kind of help tell the story in this one? Yeah, I loved it. And I think that it it's effective and works well because you can you can subtract and add focus to different parts of the stage and different parts of uh, the ensemble by who's wearing what, right? There's, um, there's a few tricks that we use, and this is true in, in scenic design, costume design, and lighting design. Um, that which is brighter um, usually has the focus. That which is different usually has the focus. Um, that which is closer to you usually has the focus and that which is louder usually has the focus right that that i'm i'm loving just how deep you are into this stuff this is a good because i like if you had asked me what gives focus i wouldn't have been able to come up with any of that well it's you know it's what i do i should hope i know a little bit about it but so the thing is that there's an inversion here because everybody else is in these neutral tones right these creams these whites that have they have a feeling of period to them, but they are they are intentionally not period perfect. They are a reference to the period. They're a reference to the late 1700s, right? So you get okay. so you get the feeling that you are there without being explicitly told we're in the late. 1700s oh see i hadn't thought of that little wrinkle that's an interesting way of costuming because you're right this one doesn't start out with a timestamp. yeah it's just uh yeah okay yeah interesting right and if you put that in context of the set design the the set design looks as if they showed up with their galleon and then took it apart to start building the city which fun fact is what people did (laughs) <laughs> like that's that's what they did um oh here's a, a little fun thing for you there are um there's a bunch of bugs in the southeast uh united states that uh are not indigenous uh to to either americas 
Um, they're insects that are only indigenous to uh, Africa and Europe and somehow wound their way up here. And that's because they would use uh, gravel and sand uh, as ballast, and they would use stones um, as, as ballast for their ships. And then once they got here, they unloaded the ballast and they used them to pave sidewalks and streets. And there were bugs in the sand and, and, and stone that they were using to build the cities with. And that's, that's how like, some of these species migrated to the Americas. Um, that's incredible efficiency, though. Right? Ain't that's, that great? That's so, very, very smart. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I think it's clever. So that's why the set also gives an impression of period and gives an impression of journey from the Caribbean to New York City. And then this is explicitly used with that rolling staircase, right? When they talk about, you know, he's coming to New York, ship is in the harbor now, see if you can spot him. They take this staircase and now it's the, the bow of a ship coming to a new land. And that, that references, but not explicitly discusses, just references actual historical practice and historical aesthetic. This, the, none of this is to say, right, that either the, the scenic designer or the costume designer did half of a job. This is an intentional tactic used often in design so as to let the audience connect some of the dots themselves. And it also informs the audience visually, whether they're aware of what's happening or not. This is the design of the show telling you that the show is self-aware that it is a show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, this, it's in, this is, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's incredible just how much of a story gets told, like I said, without words. Right? Like, everyone needs to be on their A game to tell this story because it's a complicated, complex story spanning decades that you're trying to tell in two and a half hours. And so it, it may seem a little like in the weeds to talk about the set design and using that to kind of clue the audience into certain things, but it, it's incredibly important and you don't notice it until you watch it the third, fourth, fifth time or however many times whoever's listening to this is, is watched Hamilton, but you do, it does happen subconsciously regardless the first time. And so it, it, it's fascinating just how much of the set or the lighting or the costumes, how much they help to tell the story without no words, no nothing, just someone who's really good at their job behind the scenes kind of making decisions to complement all of the things that you would that you spend more time noticing the lyrics the, the the choreography the things that are more right there in front of you the music the things you're hearing um so just fascinating to hear about the the set design and the historical accuracy of it but also how it relates to the audience cluing in to to the time period that the story is being told in because i totally didn't even realize the song doesn't start with a timestamp. you just kind of know you just kind of understand what time this is happening in, give or take. Uh, and it all, it's all through all of those things you were just talking about. Yeah, and that's, that's why I'm still comfortable thinking of this song as an overture, right? It's, it's, difficult to, it's difficult to compare it to more traditional overtures, but this song does exist outside of the time of the rest of the story. It, 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 does, it happens in its own direct address vacuum that is separated from the rest of the show, right? And you don't, you don't get that timestamp until Aaron Burser, because this song, the first song, has to cover the, the, the adolescence, well, the childhood and adolescence of Alexander Hamilton has to cover it all. And we don't have songs in the rest of the show that covered that large a span of time. 
Yeah, yeah, you have to, like I said, you have to, you're being dropped media res into a story. And so it, it's just about how much info do you need before, you, before you're with Hamilton to, to kind of understand what's happening. Because the, the, the play, and like, like we've talked about earlier, the play it leaves you with lots of questions, but the social contract that's going to answer them is there. But you just need enough information. What do you make of, in Alexander Hamilton, the whole song is other people telling you or showing you things about Hamilton. But the only thing that Hamilton says about himself in this song, and it's something I've always stuck with, is just an, a masterclass in writing, is like he's Alexander Hamilton, and there's a million things he hasn't done. Because mm-hmm. to me, that says it all. It gets like when you get to my shot, it gets flushed out. But who who describes themselves that way? Because the rest of it is Burr's narration, and it's hard to, to kind of find out what what of what Hamilton is saying is Burr narrating what Hamilton is saying, but just the way it kind of presents itself to me is that this is Hamilton's one shot in this song to tell you about himself. The rest of it is other people telling you about Hamilton, but this is Hamilton's chance in the spotlight to tell you about himself. And just with incredible efficiency, he lets you know he's a climber, he's ambitious. There's a million things he hasn't done. I, 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 who, descri- like, who describes themselves that way unless you're that ambitious? Unless it's the first thing you want people to know about you is that I'm Alexander Hamilton. You need to know that because the play is called Hamilton. You need to know which actor on the stage <laughs> is Hamilton, right? Like that's an important thing for you to know. But also that, that's the one thing he wants you to know about himself. And I just think it's a masterclass in writing because it, you can extrapolate so much from that one line of dialogue. It's intriguing to me that I get the exact same feeling as you do, but I get it from the line immediately after, not the one you're talking about. Oh, fascinating. Okay, which line? But just you wait. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I totally see it. I totally see it. I get it. I get it from there's a million things I haven't done, but I can totally see how you just you wait is like a it's almost like a warning like hey wait like you're sitting in your seat right now you're on your couch watching this like just you wait yeah like i'm gonna wait. do a whole lot this yeah oh interesting yeah to me this line that's the one that does it for me because there's something about lens delivery and that line being repeated just you wait just you wait i'm gonna do it i that to me is the is the confidence of Harry Potter that has already seen himself cast the Patronus. And so now he can do it. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh, when he thinks it's his dad and then he goes back with the time turner. Yeah. Then he's like, oh, no, it was me. It was him the whole time. Yeah. Alexander has that confidence his entire life. He doesn't care whether he deserves that confidence or not. He will be that cocky, even if it's just faking it until he makes it. And I promise you, just you wait. I'm gonna damn well do it. It's just incredible writing either way. So even True. if you com- if you Im- if you combine those two lines, we're now at eleven words of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, tell you everything you need to know about how a person views themselves. Eleven, right. like, or uh, that's just a made up number. Don't email me with your real numbers. I'm gonna go with eleven. That's like, yeah, <laughs> All right, I don't care about the real numbers, but. Um, it's just like it stick it sticks out to me not because of how it makes me feel. Obviously, that's intentional in the writing, right? You need to know which actor on the stage is Alexander Hamilton, right? And you need to he needs to say something about himself, and mm-hmm. it makes sense that it's this. 
but it's the efficiency of which he says it. He doesn't go on a long diatribe, right? That's another bold choice. It's one, it's a choice, it's a bold choice to, to give you a lot of the main beats of the story in the first song. It's also a bold choice to have your main character not even really feature in the first song. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just a, it's a very efficient, in, in, in my mind, a very efficient way and a masterclass of writing for you to know as much about Hamilton as possible before we get dropped into the story without him having to take up a lot of time like my shot does with these long kind of diatribes about himself. And I, it's just, I, it only sticks out to me mo- mostly because of the efficiency. The way it makes me feel just kind of, it has to make me feel that way, I think, or else the song doesn't really hit the right way. But the, just the efficiency, I could talk about it forever. It's incredible. I could too. And beyond efficiency, it's also just objectively a masterstroke of writing. Just the, you could, you could teach a semester of a collegiate course from this song alone just on how to use alliteration and assonance in music and poetry. Well, I think that could you can just track that through the whole musical. Like what what's amazing about Hamilton is you can't point to a part and go that's the bad part. It's no, all that it's all a masterclass <laughs> of writing. Some 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 parts of it serve different functions, right? Some some songs like if we do a ranking of songs, something's got to be at the bottom. But the the writing is a masterclass the whole way through. This is just the first example for me where it really above being amazing for the whole play. This is the first time for me it transcends amazing into into you could do a collegiate course on it. And it's like, stunning how early in the show that happens. It's the first track. It's halfway through the first track. Yeah, and that's interesting. I yeah, I'm not as familiar with musicals, but I think of okay music nerds out there please don't murder me but this is the best example that's coming to mind right now so i just don't want anyone to murder me with emails or in real life or any other okay i can't believe i'm gonna say this when i think about something like frozen which i have not seen the musical version just the disney plus i've watched some performances of the musical version on youtube it it builds up the whole play is hardly incredible, but it builds up to let it go, which is the amazing kind of performance. But you're totally right to have this incredible, like the, everything in this in this initial track here is amazing. It, it's it's fascinating to me because not a lot of musicals are like that. They usually build up to the amazing moments, but this one just starts being incredible. Mm-hmm. It really does, and it doesn't lose steam. I will uh okay so you're you're going out on a limb and you're you're saying things that are going to you know upset people so I'm going to do the same um just so we're <laughs> we're, we're together we're, here this is to- a this is a this is a front for you and I just wanting to make the world burn and we're just exactly. disguising it as a Hamilton podcast I just I just want that email aggro man you know you've <laughs> I've said multiple multiple times on my other show if you say things on the internet, people will disagree with you. This is a fact yeah. of life. You just need to look forward to it. But my thing, what, what's just amazing to me about this show is when I first heard In the Heights, a show that I was mentioning a little bit ago, I thought, oh, man, that's interesting. It's a cool show. When, when this guy learns how to construct an honest-to-God two-act musical, he's going to be unstoppable. Because in my opinion, when I was first exposed to In the Heights, it wasn't a complete show yet. Because Act 1 contains some of the most electric and dynamic compositions you've ever heard on stage. And then Act 2 
is mostly ballads. And there's just a different level of energy there that is not, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Now, I've got a friend of mine who thinks that I am so just amazingly wrong about this because the emotional energy of those ballads in Act Two is so much more than you get in Act One. And, you know, then you've got this song in Act Two that just blows the doors off. And, and yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's, you know, but I'm just, I'm, <laughs> yeah. but, shut, up, but dude. What a, shut up, dude. But what I'm saying is, I shouldn't say he stayed at my house last night. Um, I should be nicer. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, uh, sorry, man. I, I apologize to your friend. Yeah, sorry, sorry, buddy. And y'all, don't worry. We're safe. We're in a pod together. It's cool. Limited exposure. Um, he just he had a late, uh, late rehearsal. But this show doesn't run out of steam, is what I'm saying. Like it, it keeps going full tilt boogie all the way till the end. And when when things do get slower, when they get a little more somber, right? When the when when the the musical the tempo goes down, but the energy never does. And sustaining that for what three hours, including intermission, give me yeah, a break, around, dude. Well, master, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Master you, stroke. You, you can't point to the part of the pot or part of the podcast. <laughs> you can't point to the part of the musical and go, oh, "That's the bad part." You can't do it. Like it's all amazing. There are parts that serve a different purpose and aren't meant to be the best parts of the musical, but they don't. They add to it. There's never a part where you're like, I like I I never. There's no. Whenever I listen to the soundtrack or whenever I watch this, there's not a thing I skip. There's not a thing where I'm like, ah, oh, five minutes. Like this is the five minutes where I'm going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's all important. And the the intermission almost comes. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. The intermission almost comes as like a disappointment. You almost yeah. just want to just stay in your seat and keep going. You're like, look, I can be here for two and a half hours. I can just, I don't need to go to the bathroom. Like, can we just keep going? Like, yeah, I don't that, want, I don't want to take a break right now. This is incredible. And that's rare. That's, that's totally rare. Really Usually rare. you can point to something and go, that is the, that is the lesser part of the whole. doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's it's not good or was done poorly. But usually with a two, in any book, you can point to the chapter Right. And go that chapter. Like, did we need that one? That chapter wasn't my favorite. But with Hamilton, you like to me, I can't. I'm not saying that other people might might not or might feel the same way, but I can't point to a part of this this musical and go, that's the bad part. That's the boring part. That's the part I don't like. That's the part where I'll take the bathroom break. Yeah, I would be hard pressed to do so. I'd have to think about it and I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to fabricate one. You know, I don't have I don't have one off the top of my head. All right. Anything else about <laughs> we've gone on for an hour? <laughs> uh, for We're doomed. You, for those We're doomed, you, Bradley. For those of you listening to this first one, I remember <laughs> commenting in our initial kind of when I was talking to Connor about being on, and I was like, I wonder if four songs for one episode is going to be too many. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we ready to go to Aaron Burser? We were so optimistic. We are so optimistic. All right. We let's, let's move on. You know what we should do? We should, should talk we less and smile more. We should. We should. Absolutely. <laughs> Aaron Burr was correct in multiple ways. Thinking ahead to the age of podcasting. Um, all right. We're moving on to Aaron Burr, sir. Uh, let's do it. So 
So after that amazing kind of initial introduction to Hamilton, we are finally dropped into our story. And <laughs> after the first 45 minutes, I'm assuming we're going to have a lot to talk about here. One of the things that has always stuck out with me just initially with Aaron Burser, especially when we contrast it to how Alexander starts my shot, is he, and you know, the Disney Plus version is much better for this because you get all the camera angles. Whereas when I was watching it live, it, it's harder to see. But the the zoom in on, on Lin-Manuel's face, he looks nervous, a little unsure. He has his plan. He's going in. He, he obviously knows Aaron Burr and his story. Uh, he graduated in two years. That's what he wants to do. He's going to join the revolution. He's Hamilton. He's confident. That's, what, that's the one thing we learned about him from himself last song, right? But in this one, he starts out almost, I don't know what the word is. Are you getting the same vibe that I'm getting? Like a nervous, like... Like, it's like, pardon me, like, Hamilton doesn't do that. Like, the Hamilton that we get in my shot is just like, I got big brains, dude. Like, he's confident, right? Whereas in this song, he approaches Burr in a way that's almost just nervous and unsure of himself, which quickly goes away. But it's kind of one of the only moments in the in the play where I ever get the vibe from Lin-Manuel and his portrayal of it, that Hamilton is kind of a fish out of water. Yeah, there's some complexity to this moment, for sure. I think First of all, I think that that's just a period convention. Pardon me. I, you know, I'm at your service. Uh, your obedient servant is a good one. Yeah, there's a certain level of propriety that we've forgotten over the years. But there is a timidity to him there. That timidity I also... is the right word. It's not like, it's not out of character. It, it just sticks out to me as a little different than the rest of the Hamilton we get for, from, from this song on. Yeah, I think it's important for us to see that their relationship began from a place of respect because part of the story is how it devolves. And I think that here, that's that's part of it. I, I also think that Hamilton is a, in the context of this story, he's a, a combination of two opposing things. He's very, very confident. He's very, very cocky. But he's also faking it he's he's not sure that he measures up yet right he's he's wanting to use burr and burr's success as a measuring tape by which he can judge his own value right like well, yeah burr, and he, he's he's there like asking Burr, like how did you do it like yeah. you did something that i am going to do whether you want me to do it or not like how <laughs> how is it that you did that he's not he's not like trying he's just trying to figure out how Burr did it so he can do it. And he's, he, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Timidity is the right word, right? But I think I like the point of faking it too, because he already knows, he's already heard of Burr, knows his story, knows he needs to talk to him and knows what he wants. Mm -hmm. This conversation to him is just a means to an end to, to find out how Burr graduated in two years so he can do it and join the revolution. Yeah, and it turns out that Burr has no Michael's secret stuff to give him. Right, because <laughs> no, he's no secret sauce. Yeah, all Burr says is my parents wanted me to do it. So the subtext there is, I had drive, discipline, and dedication. Why just do it? You know, that's the yeah. subtext. I think it's important for us to know that too about Burr. Is like he's he he ends up being like again, for lack of a better word, the I'll just go with the antagonist. I think that's the best word because I don't think mm -hmm. he's a villain. Right? I he agree. I think that I think that overall 
in terms of like the context of theater modes, this serves as an internal antagonist story because you can make the argument that Hamilton eventually takes himself down. Uh, but it, in terms of narrative structure, yes, Burr is absolutely the, if we were going to graph this in a freshman lit class, Burr would be the capital A antagonist. That's the, that's the level that I need. Just assume, that, <laughs> just assume that I need things graphed in a freshman lit class, and I will have a much easier time understanding. That's I love definitely it. The, that's the level I'm at. So Burr is the freshman lit antagonist <laughs> and it's important for us to know though that he is his own smart qualified ambitious in his own way person he does it on his own merits he's not mm -hmm. successful here he didn't graduate out of luck or anything else right aaron burr is a force in his own right to be reckoned with a little bit and, and we'll talk about that more as we go on but i think that is that is very it's an interesting kind of nit to pick early on here to to learn that about burr Right. He's like, it was my parents dying wish before they passed. Like that is that's the only thing. Right. Mm -hmm. The rest of it was hard work, dedication, like you said. And that is it's really good for us to know that uh, about Burr. What are your thoughts on Lin-Manuel taking the liberty to invent a fake altercation with Hamilton to get the line? You punch the bursar into the play. I mean, it's got to be the, the best, the best, the best historically inaccurate part of it. Yeah, but it's just it's it's fun. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's amazing. It and this is uh this is a a a common lyrical uh I don't know what you want to call it mechanism uh lyrical uh, tactic with uh, uh with hip hop is this play on Aaron Burr sir and punch the bursar right yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's incredible lyrically it's just another masterclass of writing. Yeah. I just, I remember seeing some article. This is a good point. I should have talked about it at the top. Like, I'm not here, for those of you listening, I'm not here to be a historian. I don't care what's historically inaccurate or what's not. I'm here to judge. Like, I'm here, like, I'm here to talk about the play that I enjoy. I'm not here to talk about and contrast it with, like, what really happened in history because I don't know. I am aware, though, that Hamilton never punched a bursar. Right. There's some historian or another on another podcast I listened to is like, yeah, this was completely made up to get the rhyme in. <laughs> but but because I'm analyzing the play, I'm totally OK with that. Right. Because it's so funny. It's so clever. And it, it adds to Hamilton's confidence. Like, oh, this guy's going to go and punch the bursar to get the info he needs. Mm -hmm. Right. He's like it helps whether it's something Hamilton did or didn't or would or wouldn't do doesn't matter to me in the same way, because in that one line. It's hilarious. You get the rhyme. You always got to get the rhyme in. But also, it adds to Hamilton's character in a way that that fits where we're going with him. I agree. I think it works. You know, it's, I'm glad that you brought all that up because there's a a dangerous place you can get into when you're analyzing any work of text, whether it's a play, a novel, or whatever. Is is the trap of of bringing too many outside elements into that analysis that that get in your way and in this case, in the case of Hamilton, a literal historical outlook is often going to do you a disservice because Hamilton, the play, is not attempting to be literally historical. And, Absolutely. And There's no disclaimer at the front that's like, hey, this is perfectly yeah. historical. You can use this like as a reference for the time Absolutely. Period. Yeah, the musical is very, like I said earlier, aware of what it is, and it's very honest about what it is with the audience. So, yeah, you don't want to, you know, you can't, you cannot analyze this as, um, 
Game of Thrones is not medieval history, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? It's certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. I, in this song, I could not adore more the introduction we get to Lawrence Lafayette and Mulligan. Oh, it, it's incredible. It's perfect. Absolutely you know, perfect. Pitch perfect. Like there's no there's no better way to do it for me. I'm just so endeared to them right away. Yeah, and it's and it sets up this contrast between Burr and the four horsemen that we get here, you know, and you you also get their their introduction coming right out of the right after fools who run their mouths off wind up dead. And then you get this callback to uh this tradition of street performers and subway performers in the states. You know, usually you're you're working as a tag team and one of you will just jump up on the train. You know, what time is it? The other one says, showtime. And then you just go and and you busk for tips, right? And here we have that inserted in here. And it's just it gives you a feeling of exactly who these guys are are gonna be. It's it's raucous, it's joyous, it's percussive, it's it's rugged, it's rough and ready. It's it's really evocative storytelling with their introduction well yeah and i wrote it that like when you when you said it was a, a subway performance kind of nod and that's why it was inserted i wrote it in the notes so i didn't know that so i remember writing in the notes that i was like what a better way to make you feel that you're kind of there with them these are a group mm -hmm. of friends they're drinking mulligans on about locking up daughters and horses or i heard your mother say come again or whatever the hell mulligans on about Right, these are guys you you know just based on the story that they're gonna join the revolution because that's obviously where the story's going. But the, just the way they're banging on the table and yelling, and it, it really gives you this feeling. It's hard to watch this and the story of tonight during COVID because you're like, man, I just want to go to the pub and drink with people and bang on the table and right. yell and like it, it. It kind of when you watch it during COVID, it, it adds another layer to it. But what a better way to introduce yourself to these guys when they're just at the, they're, they're kind of singing pub songs in a way. They're just there banging on the table. There's not a lot else there other than it, it meets the moment really well. I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say, but it, it the way the music and the choreography plays with their introduction, you get a sense of exactly who they are, but also a sense like I'd want to be there hanging out with them. Yeah. You have to understand that they are a group of friends for Alexander's line, I've never had a group of friends before, to make sense. Correct. They also establish their kind of anti-monarchy anti credits here. They do it twice in this one, and then in my shot you get a little bit more with them as, as well, right? Mm -hmm. But Lawrence is on about, like, these red coats don't want it with me. They're establishing that they are... They are there to be part of the revolution, and Hamilton's gonna buy into that, right? Lafayette's like, who's the best say moi, right? He's come here to to he's the Lancelot of the revolutionary set. He's he's here to to promote this kind of I guess revolution. The the he's here to promote the rebels to join their cause to help them win. And so not only are you getting the introduction to them as people, that they're a group of friends, that Hamilton is gonna be endeared to just like we are, but you're also getting their 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 kind of their kind of CV their resume about Absolutely. what about what they're about and why they're in this story and they're here to to help us kind of to kind of help the rebels win and, and so we can move on with our our story here yeah and they also establish themselves as 
kind of the greasers of this story, right? And then they turn to to Aaron Burr. It's like, oh, you're the prodigy of Princeton. We're going to be out, you know, drinking and fighting and screwing. You enjoy your books, man. Don't you want to come hang out with us? They take the piss out of Burr. The best best moments (laughs) they take the piss out of Burr are, I think, in my shot. But when Burr's at the table, I think it's in my shot. I'm jumping ahead. But when Burr's at the table, like, sitting there, if you just ignore what Alexander's doing during my shot, you just watch what they're doing to Burr. They're, like, surrounding him and laughing at him and throwing things at him. And it's it's so funny to watch. Because they're just like, yeah, Yeah. get this guy out of Like, this guy sucks. Like, we hate him. (laughs) Like, he's... He's almost, they're almost like he's a loser. Like we're here, we're, we're young, scrappy and hungry. And then there's this Aaron Burr guy who, who is just, uh, he's just a nerd and a bookie and he, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, if it ain't the prodigy of Princeton college and almost (laughs) like a sarcastic, like, look, this guy's gone to college, but we're, we're the ones who are going to fight this war here. And it's very effective. Um, Mm -hmm. It also, it also kind of helps when you when you start to see burr as the as the antagonist and he starts to narrate this is kind of when it starts right this isn't hamilton going after burr in any way but you can see the people hamilton's going to be hanging around with the people we're being into they already don't like burr right they they're already they, they don't actively hate him i don't think but they're like willing to take the piss out of burr at any time for any yeah. reason just just cuz the drop of a hat they see him and they're just on they're just gonna bully him they're they don't need a reason or anything and so it does help it does help us view burr in that in that way so when later he's starting to to add his own view to the narration it makes a little more sense yeah and it's also clearly deliberate and it's and it's it's out of conventional form because this is not what what's going on here is not necessarily a traditional rap battle like we get later with the cabinet battles this is this is more of just like trading fours right where you're just kind of sparring with each other you're not really attacking your your uh opponents here it's just you're you're swapping phrases right but they but they turn it on burr and when they do okay i have i have what i think is in in my own humble opinion an interesting theory about the construction of the end of this song that Absolutely. I, I, Go for it. I, I want to, I want to pose to you here. Yeah. I'm ready to accept the humble opinion. Okay. In my humble, I think like, I don't have many clever ideas. So when I have one, I'm like, Ooh, good, good, good job. <laughs> good job. See this one up. Let's exactly. This, one up. this song, Aaron Burr is about the guy who later says, you made me the villain in your history. Aaron Burr is often known as the guy who shot Alexander Hamilton, not for his own merits. Okay. And not for being the vice president, like not for anything it, cool. You like for yeah. shooting Hamilton. And this song that Aaron Burr gets his name on ends with a diversion of attention to Hamilton. So in this song, <laughs> yeah, the show steals Burr's story already as, as a kind of foreshadowing to give you an idea of what's going to happen to him in the historical record. I, I fully agree with that humble opinion. It's not something, it's something I think I picked up on subconsciously because I completely agree with it, but I never consciously thought about it. That's a fascinating kind of perspective on it because you're totally right. This is the one song that Aaron Burr gets his name on. And then uh-huh. it's just it just ends up 
leading into Hamilton's big moment. Like my shot is Hamilton's biggest moment in terms of just the amount of time he gets to spend on the stage as an actor, like just with the amount of time he gets in one song to just be mm-hmm. Hamilton and kind of give us his, his credentials. Absolutely. You also get and- with Burr in this song, you get the first bit about exactly what Burr's about and exactly how he views his role in the revolution. Mm-hmm. Right, you get the sense like you spit, I'm a sit. We'll see where we land. It's the first time you're getting like he's he's pro revolution. He's gonna help out where he can, but he is he's the person who plays both sides of the coin. That way, if he wins or if he loses, he'll end up all right no matter what. And that's a uh, it, it's worth discussing. Obviously, if you take a look at this whole play, it's easy to to go to Burnby like that was a bad strategy. Later, when he's trying to find out why Hamilton's so successful. I, I I could I could um, suppose that it's because that Hamilton t- took a, took a side, fought vigorously for that side, and was always trying to be the forefront of that, right? Whereas Burr's mistake was that he didn't he didn't fight as vigorously as Hamilton for what he believed in. But it's important to remember this war. This war happens over one act of this play, but in real life, it happens over four, five, six years, and there's the the americans the rebels have a have a better chance of losing than they do of winning for a long portion of it so it's worth analyzing here bird bird takes the strategy of playing both sides and he ends up on the losing end of it in terms of how we view him as the villain of our history but looking at if you just look into 1776 where we're placed in this song right that's probably like the best position to take like hey i'm gonna shut up about this I agree with you, but you're not getting you're not getting me on board here because I need a I need an exit plan if what you guys are doing goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely playing things closer to the vest. Yeah, and, and that I, I, and that's a I reoccurring don't... issue between them. I mean, that's what eventually leads to the finale, right? Is is Hamilton's disgust that Aaron Burr has no opinions, he has no passions, he has nothing that he actually stands for. Yeah, yeah, and the the point I guess I'm trying to make is that it's easy to listen to this musical and say, well, Burr's just an idiot. Why didn't he why didn't he put himself out there more? And he tries to explain himself later when Hamilton asks him about the the constitution later. But I'm trying to like trying to put myself in Burr's shoes for a second. And I think it's not the worst. It's it doesn't work out well for him, but I don't think it's the worst position to take in 1776 to be like, hey, you know what? I agree with you. I'm not a fan of old King Georgie either, but I'm not gonna get super involved publicly like you guys are because I need that exit plan. And so I I just think it's easy to to look at what his choices are and go, oh, that was a bad idea. But I also think. It's probably not the worst, but it just doesn't work out well for him. Well, no, because he wants to keep himself alive, and we'll soon learn that he has reasons to want to stay alive. He yeah, has... he doesn't. He's not Hamilton. He doesn't want to die on the battlefield in glory in that yeah. way. He wants to just live through the war and just be around, no matter which side wins. And I'm sure that's not a perfectly accurate representation of it, but that's kind of what I can what I can pull apart from what the play here is giving us. I think that that's an accurate take. I really do. Shall we take our shot? Shall we do it? Is there anything else you want to hit in Aaron Burr, or shall we Shall we move on? I don't think so, other than the way it transitions into my shot. Seamless. Be- 
It's brilliant. Seamless transition. But most of the, you don't even realize Hamilton's a spectator in this one until he just walks up and goes, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what'll you fall for? Which is just, it's the line that puts Hamilton in, in the place you need him for the play and, 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 sh- and just shows you immediately how he's going to operate as opposed to Burr. Cause we just learned that Burr's going to operate as like someone who's like sympathetic to the rebels, but not actively participating in that way for now. Right. But Hamilton's like, Burr, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Right. He's calling him out during his song, which is something I never thought about until right now, which is cool during the one song that Aaron Burr, that Aaron Burr is titled after. So I think just the way it transitions into my shot is incredible and, and worth noting. Yeah. He, he takes it with gusto and energy and then does not give it back. Like he takes it and is like, well, this is my shot and my solo. So here we go. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do and how I think you should be doing it too. Like you're just throwing away your chance, but you can circle back to what you were saying about Burr. His POV could be no, if you die, you're throwing away your shot to live a full life. Burr could just as easily say, I'm not throwing away my shot to have a family. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is that Burr's decisions aren't poor choices. They just didn't yeah. work out well as Hamilton's. But they're not, they're not, right? I, I think I think being the person who's sympathetic, but is also trying to have a life at the end of this war, kind of no matter who wins, isn't isn't a terrible position to take. Or even, right, like even if I was in Burr's shoes, it's easy to view myself as the hero. In any story, it's easy to put yourself in the hero. Would I be Hamilton or would I be more like Burr? If I was in 1776, I had accomplished a lot in my life. I had graduated early from college, which is what Hamilton is kind of jealous of Burr for doing, or at least trying to find out how Burr did that. If I'd already Mm -hmm. been successful... Right. He talks later about how he's a trust fund baby. He's already a successful person. A lot of his ambitions to be the vice president and stuff come after the war. That's not something he could have known at this point would even exist for him. So I think if I'm in, if I'm in the play in 1776, I'm probably more likely to be a, a Burr character than a Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a couple, like if you have that position then in 1776, a couple years into the war, uh, it's important to remember that the American Revolution was was a world war. And if you're Burr, and it's 1778, if I remember correctly, other people start getting involved. By, by the time you get to 1780, 1782, and now things have things have kind of are starting to turn because now France, Spain, and the Dutch are involved at this point. Yeah. Yorktown, Yorktown happened. The siege of Yorktown happened in 81 and the the Uh, treaty of Paris was 83. So Yorktown is like the one in the play that's kind of shown as the battle that kind of won the war. It went on for a few years after, but 81 is when the war is effectively over in that. that Yeah. So at that point, everybody else is feeling comfy, right? And it's still, it's like a war of attrition for the next couple of years. But up to that point, if I was Burr, I'd be sitting back going, yeah, I guess it wasn't a good idea to uh, pick a fight with the biggest Navy in the world, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so by the time by the time Yorktown happens, right? So Hamilton is just a dude hedging his bets. He's either going to, he talks about this later. He's either going to die 
or he's going to try and he sees the path through the war that if they win, he gets all the glory or at least a, mm-hmm. a, some amount of personal glory and a life. But he doesn't mind dying and losing either. Like, that's just the bet he's hedging. Right. Yeah. So by the time Yorktown happens, Hamilton is already BFFs with BFFs is not the right word, but whatever. He's already BFFs <laughs> with Washington, whereas Aaron Burr is not. Right. So Alexander successfully made the higher risk, higher reward bet. And so he got the higher reward, whereas Burr made the safer, less high risk, but less re- high reward bet. And so he got the lower reward. Right. Not in Aaron Burr, sir. It's just, I think it's important just for me as I'm analyzing this to realize that Burr didn't make a poor decision, but how each of them kind of prospers or doesn't after the war, starting from here where we get their initial thoughts on it or how they're going to approach it, I think I think each of them gets the reward that is kind of attached to the risk they took. Yeah, I agree. Their rewards are proportionate. Yeah, that's the right word. The rewards are proportionate to the risks they each took. At the beginning in 1776 here. All right. Are we moving on to my shot? Fine by me. Perfect. All right. After Aaron Burser, we arrive at my shot. This is Hamilton's big moment. There is This is a long tune. It's not even just Hamilton's big moment. We get a little bit from all of our pals that we already started to to learn about and, and talk about earlier in some of the other songs. So just big takeaways from my shot right away. For me, the the one thing that I take away from this, the, the two things that really stick out to me first are kind of the the line, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, or hey, oh, I'm just like my country, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. And it, it just kind of shows... It's another way of describing Hamilton and all the other characters who who participate in the ensemble here that they they are it almost personifies the the ideal of America at this point that America's young, scrappy and hungry, they have to f- fight off the British if they want to succeed and that's how Hamilton is. So regardless of how the rest of the song goes, at this point I think it's a very fascinating introduction cuz now Hamilton is telling you about himself from his own perspective and his own words and that's the first thing he kind of chooses to say about himself in this one. Mhm. Yeah, and it's an inversion of what's been established already. It's okay. We've had everybody else singing about this guy. Now he's going to sing about himself and this is what he shares with us. Yeah, and he's very confident here. Very confident. Like, the first lines are like, I'm going to get a scholarship to King's College. It's not, I'm going to try. He's like, I'm going to do this, right? Yeah, I'm going to do I probably it. shouldn't brag, but dag, I amaze and astonish. Like, he's just full. This guy's full of himself. Hamilton is out here, right? He's got a lot of brains, but no polish. That is the thing he says about himself. He's just coming out with everyone else there and going like, I'm really fucking smart, okay? I don't have the <laughs> polish. I don't have the polish yet. I'm working on it, but I am, I am confident. I want to do this. And he, I think he talks about later the vulnerability of never having had a group of friends. He's trying to impress them. He's trying to impress these people. It starts with like, who, who are you? Like these guys don't know who he is, right? They're asking Hamilton, who are you? And he goes, that's what he starts with. He's trying to impress his friends. And we all kind of, I would even, I don't even, I'm not even sure he's exaggerating. I think this is just who Hamilton is, but we all do that when we're trying to impress people. We exaggerate a little bit, a bit. We, we pad the stats whenever we can to make ourselves look good. And that's what Hamilton's doing here. It's fantastic. Yeah. This is the, 
coming on the heels of everybody else doing their intros and they're giving their resumes of their accomplishments. It it's interesting to me that Hamilton has doesn't have accomplishments to list, so he lists his aspirations, right? But but it almost feels better. It almost feels like aspirations are worth more than the accomplishments, just with the, the bravado that he comes in with. <laughs> yeah, because he comes in like full guns blazing, man. But it's just, it's so funny. This to me is like your first dinner at your boss's house. And you, <laughs> you bring, exactly it. <laughs> you know, and you're showing up at your boss's house and you you know he likes whiskey. And so you you bring some some Angel's Envy or the Widow Jane and your boss's favorite drink is Jim Beam. Uh, you know, it's like you yeah. just go you go way too hard and you yeah, kind of you, you kind of look silly just a little bit. But but there's something about either the charisma of the character as it's written or the charisma of Lin-Manuel Miranda or both. Right. Where. This this really does line up with the aspirations of the nation as well. And I'm on board. I'm on board with this version of Hamilton here. I believe in his potential for success. And I believe that that he does get the endorsement of everybody around him. And that's it's just such a powerful musical orchestration, too, that gets that gets that momentum going, gets you bought in. Right. Or at least it is yeah. for me. I think now's a good time to mention it. I put it in the notes and I just want to talk about it because I'm going to get a lot of emails about it as well. Is just Lin Manuel and his performance as Alexander Hamilton. So mm, within mm-hmm. within yeah. within my shot, I think the charm comes from both. I think when I watched this live without Lin Manuel, I was just as engaged with Hamilton as a character during my mm-hmm. shot as I am watching the Lin-Manuel version. And there is something about Lin-Manuel that I think just does the character a little better. And part of that's probably because he wrote the play. And so he has a little bit of a deeper, just he spent, he spends more time kind of in it, I think, but there are songs like um, hurricane is the big one for me where, where Lin-Manuel and the person I, I watch, I, I, I need to Google who this person is. So I don't just keep saying the person, Right, but the person I watched play Hamilton the first time were there. They could not be world. They could not be more different in the way they approached Hurricane. Mm. Right, but in my shot, I think part of it is the charm of Hamilton. I think the song just really—it's—it's it's, a—it's another masterclass. It tells you everything you need to know in the in the best way to do it. But I think I think with Lin Manuel's performance, just because I want to get ahead of it, he is clearly—and I don't mean this to be rude—as if he's not talented, but he's the clearly the least vocally gifted of the main cast of this musical and if i've watched like i've watched a bunch of like musicians react to hamilton on youtube mm-hmm. and in the comments there are people who are always like man i loved hamilton but it's too bad lin-manuel sucked more than everyone else and to me that's just so unfair because it he's not not talented he's totally fine right like if, is, if i yeah. if i was hamilton you'd be like oh lin-manuel is a the most talented person ever right so it's just he you're you're comparing him to a people to people who are some of the best in the world at what they do and then have won all the awards that they can win for this musical so he's already in just a top class cast right but i think it i think his talent level and it's not part of it's probably intentional but he to me his vocals feel like hamilton they're young scrappy and hungry right they're not as polished they're not as um, they're not as like technically 
amazing as everyone else, but they fit his character so well that it never once, I never once throughout my first viewing of Lin-Manuel's performance went, oh man, Lin-Manuel's really dragging this back with his vocals, right? The dude yeah. I watched the first time was so much more vocally gifted. Like, that's just not how I feel about it. So I think it's just important to get out of it before someone comments on this or emails me, right? Just my point of view on Lin-Manuel's vocals are like, yes, it's pretty obvious to me he's not the most vocally gifted. Part of that is he's he's in an incredibly vocally gifted cast. So someone's got to be the... Some, like, it's just like ranking. So someone, someone has to be the worst, no matter how good they are. But to me, it fits the character so well that it doesn't at all take away from the performance for me. Yeah, I agree. I think that it, it meets the moment well. And like you said, this original cast is just full of thoroughbreds. It is just full of absolute monsters on stage. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It you gets. could not, absolutely. You know, and this is, it's like, he's also, nobody could have had the, nobody else had the vision to make this show. Nobody else made it. He made it. Right. And I also like he, the stones it takes to write the play and then give yourself the main character. Like, fuck well, you, well, there's, there's some stones there, but also consider this, all right? Um, a, a friend of mine, longtime collaborator of mine who's now retired, um, but we, uh, we were in a theater together in Birmingham, he, and he has, this, he has this thing about theater where he thinks that, that plays, they, they really only exist because some writer had a burning desire to tell that story. And that's that's why that's why people get into theater in the first place is because it takes us back to being around a campfire and sharing stories. Because when we sit down in the theater, our heart goes to a campfire somewhere or 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 a playground when you are swapping stories with your friends. It's just it's a very primal thing. It's a very intimate thing. And so he clearly had a burning desire to tell this story about Hamilton to the point where he even included it as a song, right? Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. That was clearly part of his, uh, his, his thinking when he was composing this show, when he was putting it together. And so you can put, are there better actors than Lin-Manuel Miranda? Technically? Sure. There are, there are more proficient technical performers. Fine. But the, the energy he brought to that role is part of what makes it is that desire to tell this story. And so and that's the key. That's, that's, that's exactly the yeah. same point I'm trying to make is like, yes, if, if technical vocals or acting chops are all you care about, you're going to be a little disappointed with his performance compared to everyone else's. But if what you care about is how that fits within, he's part of a, he's part of a story that involves a lot of other people and in terms of him being his piece of the overall puzzle of the musical, it fits perfectly. Yeah, it does. And and so he's not as technically proficient as everybody else on stage. That's not the takeaway you should have. The takeaway is how <laughs> smart were they to fill up the entire cast with absolute <laughs> massive talent right yeah it's just it's just it's just strange to me when people (laughs) will comment in other places they're like yeah i loved hamilton but lin-manuel sucked and i'm like is that really your takeaway from this is that really that's that's fandom for you man it's like you got some people just gotta go there this whole thing to the point where you're willing to comment about it on youtube and your one takeaway has nothing to do with anything other than 
Lin-Manuel, which is still an amazing performance. It's just yeah. technically not as gifted as the rest of them. I don't know. It's just, I just wanted to get ahead of it that no one should ever email me about Lin-Manuel's performance because I, I know it's not as technically gifted. That's not how I approach his character or what I care about, and I think he did great. Yeah, I agree. I reserve the right, though, to make fun of him the one time he tries to harmonize with... Um, the one harmonization with Angelica later, I, I want to point out just because it's hilarious, but otherwise it's fantastic. So I don't want any emails about it. Well, go ahead and point it out, but I, I will myself point out, <laughs> try keeping up with Renee Goldsberry, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. You just can't do it. That's exactly what I mean. You just can't do it. I'm just, I'm just going to point it out because I think it's particularly funny to, try, <laughs> you could just, he's trying so hard and he's just not, Renee Goldsberry, that's exactly it. Okay, let's go back to the <laughs> let's go back to the song. My my view on Lin Manuel's performance has now been made clear. In this song, we get kind of the premise of, of the 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 rebellion here, the premise of the revolution. Uh, the plan is to fan this spark into a flame. So that's kind of the first kind of he's he's laying out the plan. He's laying out what it is he intends to do. Right now, it's a small little kind of everyone's just chatting about a rebellion and he's going to he's going to try and fan that spark into a flame and then he he kind of starts listing off all the reasons why the british suck and that they should be <laughs> overthrown um britain keeps shitting on us endlessly they tax us relentlessly king george turns around and runs a spending spree he's just kind of listing his grievances much like him and burr will do later or Burr will ask him to do later, or however that goes. Um, he's kind of just listing his grievances with the the British Empire here, so we can, as fans, and obviously uh, this is set in America in a post we we built the British or we beat the British world, so it it mm -hmm. already plays well, right? Uh, when you're watching it in New York, but for for people who are watching it for the first time, it's just kind of giving you the here are all like the reasons in summary of why the british are awful and why these guys are going to try and, and overthrow them it's a pretty decent abbreviation set to music of all of the pamphlets and letters and you know articles that were written in the pre-war period you know here we just give it through the lens of hamilton right giving it to us um you know that you're you're missing out on some of Thomas Paine and Nathan Hale here. Maybe too much credit is given to Hamilton, but it's effectively it's effective musically. Yeah, definitely too much credit is given to Hamilton, and and that's just because <laughs> that's just it's his show. It's his show for one. It's his show, but also there's like five. We we know of five characters at this point. You can't have a cast that's too big, and you don't have the time to go into to Nathan Hale's like I regret that I have one life to live and all that stuff. Like you just don't have yeah. the time to get into it. But yeah, there's there's so many more people than than Hamilton and Lafayette and, and these five that are helping to win this war, right? Like yeah. There's there's a whole world out there that that doesn't involve these guys at all of yeah. which without you wouldn't have won. So like the war was not completely won just because of the people in this play, but the play's not about those other people. It's about Hamilton. So exactly. so he's here. And because of that, it's important that we see him in, in this pivotal moment, embrace these people that he's met and rise up and take his shot, which is a tricky phrase in this song, because as you pointed out succinctly in our notes here, there are multiple definitions and it's very clever the way it's used oh, throughout this. Man, it's just so, so good. So just throughout the play, what I can think of, they use shot as this term here and and it is meant, I think, to portray at the beginning of this song that Hamilton's not throwing away his chance. He's not throwing away his shot at 
the revolution, his shot at, at, at coming out of this on the right side with the, mm-hmm. the glory and the, the station in life that he wants later. Um, later they're, they're taking shots. So just like shots of alcohol, the way we, we would talk about it, but the line is the same. The line doesn't really change. It's time to take a shot when they're drinking. So that's mm-hmm. another, that's another way to use the word, but also they use it, um, when it comes to duels later, um, Hamilton is going to instruct his son to, to throw away his shot. He's going to ask Lawrence to not throw away his shot. And in his, in his duel at the end with Burr, he is going to throw away his shot, meaning the actual shot that you would take in a duel with your gun. So it's just, it's amazing how this one line has three or four or five, however many different meanings and and inflections just based on where it's placed in the play with the context around it. For sure. I'm trying to remember if it's referenced again during Hurricane before Reynolds' pamphlet. I can't remember. But I, I can't think remember. it may be. I, I can't remember. But it, regardless, said, yeah. the the various uses are already very, very interesting. And it's just, it's another, you know, I'm I'm going to be using the word clever way too much, but it just is. It's cheeky. It's smart. It's nice. It's it's very know? well done. And it's engaging. It, 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 it's, aside from the, the play that we're watching, every time that happens, you're like, oop, Lin-Manuel, brilliant, again. Like it, it kind of brings like when you when you watch it for the second, third, fourth time, and you already know what's happening, right? And you notice more and more details. The amount of times I now go when I watch this and go like, ah, Lin Manuel on top of your game <laughs> once again. It's it's it never ends. The amount of times I do that. That's not the only instance of that brilliance in this song, too. I love the the reversal of "Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation?" And then we get that alliteration again that we've had in you know preceding songs, but here it's just so percussive, the D's and T's and S's in this song. It's just it's coming at you, and it feels it has a it has a re- repetitive percussiveness that is you get the same feeling from watching a John Wick movie. It's just you've get you've got these shots coming, you know, quickly. Um, yeah, when and he it goes- really it ramps up the momentum. At the point for me when it when it slows down a little bit and then it just speeds up and he's like, I know the action on the street is exciting, but Jesus between all the bleed like that the way that mm-hmm. whole little section is written every time I could have fallen out of my chair the first time I heard that. I could have <laughs> like it, it it is just every word in this play is pitch perfect, but those individual sections that are just so just so incredibly well crafted. But not only do they have to tell the story, they have to rhyme, they have to be engaging, they have to fit with the the context of the time, they have to fit within kind of how how many words does each character need to tell their story, right? There's other characters that need to have, everyone gets like their own part of a song to stand out, even Hercules Mulligan and Lafayette, they all get their own sections of the play um, to stand out a little bit. So it has to meet all of these different things. And just to, to, to craft my shot so incredibly that there are so many moments that like, if you, if you put me in a karaoke night, I can sing this whole song. I don't even need to like, (laughs) it's all so catchy. There's not a part that I, that I want to pay attention to more than the other part. It's incredible. It truly is. It truly is. I might, uh, I might have to see that my shot karaoke at some point. Maybe uh, it's can... a it's a I don't want to don't want to plug my my video game stream too much on this one but it's a <laughs> it's already a challenge oh i already oh, did yeah? it 
I already did Aaron Burser and my shot one time. Oh, nice. The challenge nice. is for uh, Satisfied, I think, which is a whole nother holy... Oh, dear. Anyways, yeah, I was about yeah. to say, that should be There's a, a video a of me somewhere on the internet before DMCA claims were a thing of me <laughs> singing some Hamilton somewhere. It's definitely Aaron Burser and my shot. Anyways, we're getting complete. <laughs> I'm just talking Yeah, about we're in the weeds, well, mate. We're in the weeds. We're in the weeds. Uh, in that what? moment that you were just talking about, too, are we, a, are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? He also kind of lays out his view of the main problem, which is the financial situation. Another incredible rhyme. But that's the mm-hmm. first moment where Hamilton, right, he's trying to pump up this war, but he takes this, like, little little glide out of the the actual fighting to talk about the financial situation which is a it's kind of jarring in a way because it's not usually you you view the war in a lot of ways about taxes right but for someone to just say that out loud in that way it, it kind of lets you know that everyone else is focused on a variety of different things but hamilton is really pinpointing here of, that the financial situation is something that he cares about so later in act two when that's when that's what he's trying to accomplish it makes a lot of sense so it's a really good one-liner in here to 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 really set up that hamilton cares about the financial situation so that when that's his main job and the main thing he's trying to to fix later in the in act two it makes a lot of sense it does but it's almost blinking you'll miss it yeah he it's spins, almost it, Spend so much time talking about the the upcoming violence and the the need to meet the problem of England with a with an actual manual solution, and you you almost miss this talk about their their finances. But if you catch it, it's very informative for what comes later. I mean, it becomes yeah. his life's work. It does become his life's work. It's one of those things that I can't remember at which watch through I noticed which thing. Like, I don't know if I would have picked up on that line the first time I, I watched it, but I certainly now, definitely, it's a it's a one-liner that just kind of sneaks in there. Like you said, blink and you'll miss it, but it's very informative as to how Hamilton views kind of his post-war role in setting up the, the new nation that we would now come to know as the United States of America. Mm-hmm. We've got another crucial foreshadowing moment here with the... The spoken word section, I'm going to call it. I imagine death so much it feels like a memory and all that. I, I always that, call it the, the vulnerable section. Like Hamilton's taking his time out, much like he did when he says, I've never had a group of friends before. Mm-hmm. He's, so, he's, so, he's so confident and shows so much bravado and gusto that you need these moments to relate to him a little more. And these are the moments, they're almost, they're, they are the the spoken word moments, but they're the moments that are designed so we can relate to Hamilton, I think. Yeah, otherwise he's just too cocky for anybody. He's to just like, a bit right? of an asshole, right? <laughs> he's yeah. just a bit of a he's just a bit of a cocky prick. Whereas these these moments, it kind of makes him vulnerable and shows that there's a little complexity in there. Yeah, I don't think it's accidental that early on in the show, he's one of the lesser, uh, one of the lesser. He's the, I don't think it's accidental that early on in the show, he is less approachable, less sympathetic than Burr. I I think that that's intentional. I think that his braggadocio is, he is intention. He's supposed to earn our investment in him, if that makes sense. I think that the inversion of Burr being such a sympathetic character is compelling at the beginning of this musical that is named after someone else. 
and Hamilton's braggadocio here doubles down on yeah absolutely we also get Burr a little bit in this song you know he he's sticking to his guns like geniuses mm-hmm. lower your voices and this is the line for me that says everything about i okay i i know by the time this whole podcast series is done i'll have said this a hundred thousand times i don't care lin-manuel it's genius writing right geniuses lower your voices you'll keep out of trouble and you'll double your choices that is mm-hmm. the line where now you know that he's playing both sides of the coin Right. If you keep out of trouble, the rebels win. You're good. the The British win. You're good. But you're good no matter what. Yeah. Right. And Hamilton's like, Nah, I'm not doing that. But Burr, that's the line earlier when he was talking about it. You have to kind of intuit that that he's playing both sides of the coin. This is the line, right? Keep out of trouble and you'll double your choices. That's the one where you're like, Oh, so he's now officially playing both sides of the coin. Yeah, it's explicit here. It's very, very clear. Yeah. Now you you just know kind of how Burr is fully approaching this, whereas before it was a little bit of intuition. We also get a little more depth from our our crew of drinking buddies. Uh, Lafayette, (laughs) like just little bits of they're they're all they all get their moment to shine. Everyone's getting their moment to shine. You're getting introduced to all these characters. Lafayette's kind of breaking out as like the quirky, funny character. Mulligan is like the more the more deep and intense, but also hilarious character. Lauren Lawrence has a passion for slavery and that's going to be his focus. So you're just getting a little bit, you're, you're peeling layers off the onion. Not nothing that these characters say is, is, is something that's like surprising, but Lafayette dreams of life without a monarchy. And that's what he's about. You get, you get to learn that Mulligan is a tailor's apprentice, which is cut, which comes back later when he's a spy via that profession. And, and mm-hmm. Lawrence talks a lot about how he is going to create the first black battalion. And here is one of the best lines in the whole play. You and I do or die. Wait till I sally in on a stallion with the first black battalion. Again, it fell out of my chair. Like you just can't write a million people could write a play about Hamilton. Nobody writes that line. Only Lin-Manuel, only Lin-Manuel writes that line. And so, so what good. do you, what do you make of the, the extra depth we're getting here? Because it's not surprising depth. It's just, it's more kind of resume. It's more like padding the stats about why they're in the rebellion. And what do you make of the, the introduction we get to our friends in terms of how it, how it kind of starts here and moves on as they get into the war? I think it's important to know a little bit more about them because we're only going to get them in you know, in, in moments like this where they have a chance to respond. Right. And uh, it's also important to see that now that Hamilton has gone out on a limb and he has announced to everyone in the room, I intend on revolution. It is now important that we see how everyone else in the bar reacts to that. As an audience, we have to see whether his revolutionary ideas are accepted or not. And by whom, and so you can't have that great moment with, with Burr if you don't first have everyone else saying, hell yeah, I'm on board. And you know what? After we're done with this, I'm going to do this. Not only are we gonna, we're going to win this revolution, but we're going to take it one step further. We're going to double down and we're going we're gonna to go and take these ideas of freedom elsewhere to everyone, right? Yeah, they're it's- on board and with a purpose. Exactly. They're being purposefully on board and excited and enthused to go further after this revolution is over makes it 
that much more impactful that Burr is not. It makes him even more alone. It others him further. And it cements these people as a group that he is not a part of. And he's fine with that. You know, yeah, he, it's, it's also important his, that his delivery, totally cool with it. He is, he does not, he's good. He's at peace with not being a part. Yeah. And, and what's as a viewer, right. I, I become more sympathetic to Burr the more I watch it. But as a viewer, the first couple times, because the rest, because you just like everyone else, you're starting to like Hamilton. You definitely like the lads he's drinking with. Right. You're 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 kind of in on the whole hitting the table, screaming. And because because a lot of people who watch this are Americans. Right. You're you're naturally going to take the side of the rebels in this play because you guys won. Right. So you're already <laughs> right. So all, all of the people who are watching this, especially Americans, are going to take the side of the rebels here. And so it's interesting because as a viewer, the first couple of times you're like, well, this Burr guy kind of sucks. Like, what a lame <laughs> dude. Right, like you, you understand why he's doing it, and I don't. Th- again, I don't think it's a poor decision. I think he's at peace with his choice. I think he's making the better choice. If you had a percentage outcome, if you could put the war in a simulation a thousand times, Burr ends up better than the other guys more often than not. It's just in this one simulation, it didn't work out that well, and he ended up being the vice president. He was fine. He did okay. Yeah, yeah. He 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 made it out just just fine. But you do get this vibe where it's like, ah, oh, this Burr guy kind of sucks. Like, what a lame-o, right? And yeah. you know these guys, you know these guys are gonna win. So you're automatically coming into this with like, well, Burr's not making the right choice because like these guys that are that are in it are gonna win. But if you didn't know that, if you didn't know what the outcome of the war was gonna be, I bet you Burr Burr seems like the more sensible and pragmatic person here. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And that and that's another thing that just makes it so painful that he's not invited to the after party for story of tonight. <laughs> they totally kick him to the curb, man. Yeah, he's out of there. <laughs> he does make an appearance at the wedding later. He does go to the wedding. He does. He wasn't I don't know if he was invited or if he just showed up, but he does go to the wedding. But yeah, yeah, he's out. He's out of the friend group. He's yeah. out. I uh I got the I got the impression that he was invited to the wedding. I, uh, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Uh, it's just we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's yeah, he's yeah. out of the friend group. He he is he is definitely not part of this. And you need to know that as the viewer, that Burr's kind of taking his own path and these guys are taking their own path. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna weave back and forth. But now they're on separate paths. When we met Burr and Hamilton, they were on the same path in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or at least at least on a neutral kind of ground with each other. But now they're going on separate paths and they're obviously going to weave back and forth because there's still two hours left in the play at this point. <laughs> but And at some point, one of them's got to shoot the other one. At some point, right. At some point we know someone's got to shoot the other one. So it's going to keep weaving. Yeah. But now they're officially on separate paths. What do you make of some of the lines where, where Hamilton, I get the sense from this song, just based on the vulnerability of it, where he is talking about, like, I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. And he's talking about how most people where he lives don't even live past 20. It's very it's very emotional when you really dig into what he's saying. This is a person who, I don't know if he comes across as traumatized or not, but has is, is seen trauma and has lived trauma his whole life. And then he has lines, um, where is it here? I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow for the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow. So we're getting the sense here that this is the first time for Hamilton that he's been part of a group, 
that he has been able to be this passionate about something and then do something about it. What do you make of Hamilton's development as a character here? Because these lines kind of pass you by. But a line like, I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow, that's a that's a loaded line there. That's a line that that packs a lot when you unpack what he's saying. So what do you make of kind of Hamilton's development from somebody who, 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 from his, where he grew up, what we learned about him in the first song to where he is now going into the war? Well, first of all, we have to admit that this is one of those magical moments of musical theater because he just met these guys and now he's all ginned up to go do the revolution, right? This is, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it may have, I, I don't know if, having a couple rounds of drinks with these, you know, could be that motivational in real life. But in the context of the magic of musical theater, it is. And I think that these, you know, these imaginings of death are very, very real to this character. And he explicitly outlines what these, these images look like to him. But I, I'm not taking this moment of vulnerability as anything too literal. I take it as him saying, look, I have seen hardship. I have, I've seen death. I think about death all the time. I am going to make it seem like I've completely conquered the thought of death. So as to be motivational, so as to be inspirational, so as to, to get people moving with me. I want us all to move together and I can use this, uh, this belief that I'm no longer afraid of death to, to help other people move forward. And that's that's kind of where where I'm 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 coming to it. That's that's where I'm I'm getting to. I don't I really don't know. It's he's being vulnerable, yes, but I don't know how how literal he's being, or is he or is he manipulating us emotionally to get us on board with the revolution? I think probably the 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 latter. I think I think it's definitely more of an emotional manipulation. I love I love the thought though that Hamilton was just completely neutral, and then he shows up for a few rounds of bevies with the lads, and then he's like, he's just the next morning he's ready to go and kill the British. Like I love the idea. That yeah. Just one round, I love the idea that one <laughs> round. Of, I never thought about it like that, but you're totally right. I, I mean, just a one round minutes- of drinks, and he's he's ginned up and ready to go. I mean, that's the thing. A couple of, you know, minutes ago, his number one concern was registering for fall semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Aaron Burser, all he, care, all he cares about is like, ah, how do I graduate in two years? Like, 100%. I never, I've never thought about that till right now. And I know that he also says, yes, I wish that there was a revolution that, that you know, we could fight in and we'd be worth more than anyone bargained for Here's the thing about that line. Okay, this is what's interesting about these two songs, songs as a duality here. That line comes after Burr says, I have no help for you. So first, so, so, and this, is, this can get into a little ad hoc, ergo proctor hoc, but here's the thing. First he says, I want to graduate in two years. Burr says, well, all I did was try hard. And then he changes the subject. Hamilton changes the subject. The subtext there is, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Let's talk about the war. Yeah, he's looking for a chance. I I think at that point, it's more (laughs) like he wants a chance to prove himself. And the war is a way to do that. But he's not really fully in on the war. But I get the sense in my shot, like now now he's in on the war and the chance to prove himself both together. Whereas in Aaron Burser, it comes across more like 
he just wants he just wants the chance to show what he can do and a war is the best way to do that whereas now i think it's both i think he's in on the fight and regardless and now and also the 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 idea that he could come out of the war in a higher social place than where he began yeah i agree i mean really what happens throughout the course of this song is that is that alexander hamilton is radicalized by domestic terrorists and it <laughs> yeah, happens yeah you know what when you quickly. put it like that absolutely like, that's that is what happens in this song and i i think that this particular group of domestic terrorists happened to be on the correct side of history but we're lucky that they were right yeah 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 and, and it, it, the domestic terrorists are a point of view right you exactly can, like, it's whether you're at the point of view of the rebels or the point of view of the british because of course the british view these guys as must be domestic terrorists right like the way these guys are being viewed by the british is like oh these people are violating the king's law they are rebels they are scum they are like all of those things so it really just depends on your point of view too Hmm. yeah i mean one man's uh, terrorist is just someone else's freedom fighter absolutely you also get hamilton also a little bit concerned here too you get some i'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow a little bit like (laughs) ready to go to war like he's he's ready he's ginned up as you eloquently put it right but he also has some lines here where he seems a little bit concerned right um is that a guarantee of freedom for our descendants or will the blood we shed begin an endless cycle of vengeance and death with no defendants? He seems a little bit concerned, not that he's not going to participate, but that, that when he does, is this just going to be an endless cycle? We beat the British in a few battles. They beat us in a few battles. Nothing really changes. A bunch of people are dead and we're just in this endless cycle of of death. Um, He does seem like he, Coming off of his own thoughts of death, it does seem like he's at least a little bit concerned as to whether or not participating would be something that's winnable or whether it's just going to be a forever long stalemate where a bunch of people die. Yeah, absolutely. He wants a lasting legacy, and that's something that is going to be consistent with him throughout this show. A lot of his actions are, are dependent on his concern for his memory and his legacy, right? And he wants the the revolution to have a legacy as well instead of just being a one shot. Ah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, I totally Sorry. get you. I had to Absolutely. do it. <laughs> Cuz oh, you know, good. shot because yeah <laughs> I, I totally yeah I, I got it. I'm all good. The uh <laughs> the best jokes are the ones that you feel the need to explain. Absolutely. This is known. Always. Yeah. All right. Are we are we good with my shot? Are we moving on? I think so. I'm proud of the job that we just did. Okay, now that we have taken a look and we've learned a little bit about our, our crew of friends here, they're gonna go fight in the revolution. Burr's decided he is not going to do that. That's not his game. We get the the story of tonight, which is a very, very impressive view of brotherhood to me it it kind of tells Mm. you everything Mm -hmm. you need to know about how these people aside from the war how they feel about each other as friends as a group of people they can trust as a group of people they can rely on to fight this war with them because a lot of a lot of the revolutionary war that that's only really covered by by one kind of line or one kind of section with hercules mulligan is the spying aspect of it 
right? Who can you trust? Who can't you trust? Who's on your side? At what point do you know if Aaron Burr, if he's picked a side or not? Like, how do you, how do you know who's your friend, who's your enemy in a lot of cases? But this, you get the sense that these guys are going with it together and there's nothing that's gonna gonna break them apart. And Aaron Burr wasn't invited. It's just a great thing that you yeah. pointed out. <laughs> yep, he's he's. You can't sit with us. Um, yeah, this is our are, Mean Girls song. You didn't pass. <laughs> you didn't pass the litmus test, Burr. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. I just adore this call and response at the beginning. It's as if you know they're pledging to each other. Hamilton giving. I may not live to see our glory. And then Lawrence Mulligan and Lafayette repeating it back. It's as if they're, they are in whiskey and in blood and in verse swearing this pact of brotherhood to each other. Yeah. And they do it again. They do it again, kind of after Alexander gets married to Eliza in in a much less serious way, but it's a, it's an ongoing theme that these guys are a pack of people that are going to stick by each other. So it's not in this moment, it's a very serious thing. They're they're kind of toasting to the beginning of the war here, but later they do it in a in a more hilarious, less serious way too. Mm-hmm. But this does have a very tender, intimate, ritualistic feeling about it that that I appreciate. I I do believe that these four are committed to each other and will not be betraying each other in any way. And this, as they say, will grow. Tomorrow there will be more of us. And I think that this is simply, but very, very elegantly reflected in the arrangement. Because as you go through the song, you start adding more and more ensemble and more and more orchestration, and you get the momentum of a revolution building around this nucleus of four people. Does does it matter that it's not necessarily historically perfect that the nucleus of revolution was larger than these four people. No, it does not matter. These are the four we're dealing with in our story. We've been over this, right? But it is, it's this very sweet, small moment that the revolution in the context of this musical is going to grow out of. And the dynamic contrast between those two things, between this and guns and ships and the battle of Yorktown, huge, right? It's really striking. it's, It's night and day. Yeah, it's really, really striking to me. And I just I just adore it. This whole this whole sweet little tune. It it gives me this vibe. And I what I love doing is kind of comparing a lot of the stories that I love to each other and seeing mm-hmm. where they overlap. One of the things that really stood out to me was it's not nearly the same thing. And I believe the story that I'm pulling from is Fault in Our Stars. I can't quite remember, but I'm almost positive it is. That the idea of the one last good day. That before a terrible event, whether it's a war, whether someone dies, whether it's being diagnosed with something, there's one last good day that you Hmm. have before that thing. But the, the key to it is you don't know it's the last good day. It's only the last good day in retrospect. At the time, it just feels like another good day. And what I get, I don't get the idea that these guys know it's their last good day before the war, but I get the sense that they're not they're they're taking the time they have now to spend time together before they inevitably have to spend time apart you know going to battle every day kind of yeah. trying not to be killed like they're taking their time that they do have together before that to just have a few drinks to talk about talk about the revolution and and, and kind of I don't want you pointed it out but maybe not come to terms with the idea that they might die but the first line of the song is I may not live to see our glory 
So they're mm-hmm. taking the time, knowing that they might die, knowing that this might be one of the last chances they have together to spend it together. And I've always thought that was really emotionally resonant with me. I really felt that every time I watched this one. Yeah, I agree. And what, what really emotionally resonates with me is that they're going into this chance of death together. And that they're clearly expressing that to to each other. And fully you know? committed. Fully committed, absolutely. They're, they're, you know, they're okay. They're okay with dying. Yeah. I talked earlier, you know, that it's 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 difficult to accept how intimate a connection these people have after one night of drinks. But when you're in the moment in the show, when you're with it and you're but you remember I was what I was saying earlier about buying the concept of a show, then you buy the rest of the show. In this context, you buy it, right? It's le- these feelings feel legitimate, and you you feel that fraternal connection. Just I, I feel like these guys the might as well have been friends since childhood. I don't feel yeah. that they just met one song ago at all. Zero. I, I feel like these guys have been best friends forever. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Yeah. And the last thing I don't want to go on too long about it, but something else that sticks out with this song for me is the beginning of Legacy as a running theme and something to pay mm-hmm. attention to much like much like Burr being the narrator is kind of if you want to watch Hamilton and just pinpoint Burr as the narrator and keep track of it you go on a fun little story arc same with the idea of legacy and it starts here with the idea that when our children tell our story it's almost not about them like it is about them and Hamilton certainly certainly Hamilton is about him and how he's going to fare after the war but they're also talking about like it's important for our children to tell our story in a certain way. It's important that we are known after we die, whether it's in this war or not to, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's important that, or at least they care about how they're viewed after they die based on their participation in the war. Yeah. I, it's, it's clearly very important. I think maybe what you're looking for is, you know, you want their, their memory to be honorable or venerated. Honor. Yeah, honor is, a, honor is definitely a theme of the time for sure. There's a lot of, yeah. you talked about it earlier with like your obedient servant, and there's a lot of kind of pleasantries and honor, kind of um, habits of honor that just aren't observed <laughs> nowadays. And so yeah. honor honors maybe the word that I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah, Hamilton clearly very much cares for how his story gets told, and he thinks that they all deserve a badge of honor that they're choosing to fight instead of you know, backing away and, and playing both sides of the equation like Burr is, right? He thinks that they all, you know, they all get brownie points. Right. Sweet. That, that's a, that, that that's... really comes off of the page. Yeah. You know, one one other thing I, that I, I like about this tune is that it kind of, it works well within kind of the set of what Act 1 is. It's like, you know, if Hamilton was instead Foo Fighters, like you open with, you know, <laughs> doll, you you play Pretender and Rope, and then you play Aurora. Fourth song, fourth song always has to go down just a little bit, right? Sure, yeah, so it's you of can, a piece with the rest of Act One. It really is, right? So that then when song five starts, you pl- you play Monkey Wrench and you're back after it, right? I and apologize we, we, to everyone who's listening to this who does not listen to the Foo Fighters. I'm so sorry, y'all. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll pick more. Uh, I think next time I'll I'll uh, I'll do Carly Rae next time. Carly Rae, yeah. Um, Carly Rae, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you get that energy right back with Skylar Sisters, which we're going to cover next, right? It just Absolutely. it comes, you know, it just comes right back up. It just really does fit. Like like you just you put it perfectly. It 
it is perfectly a piece with act one all right that's all i got it's a small it's a short tune it, it, it's a great primer for for what we're getting next anything else about uh the story of tonight no i think i think that's about it you know it's almost a it's almost a coda for shot than it is its own tune you know but i think that there's there's many important things that happen in this song despite its brevity exactly exactly what any overall thoughts about the first four songs for those of you listening i've tried to kind of cluster these up into little story arcs so the songs in each like we talked about we're not going to do helpless and satisfied in different episodes like that's of a piece with each other so they'll be together so this kind of first four song little story arc introducing all the characters getting you established in the world so you understand what is happening do you have any overall like an overall summary for the first four four songs from your point of view from my point of view, here's the the primary male players. These two are important. These three are slightly less important. These, you know, these are who you need to get acquainted with and how they feel. Now let's go check in with the girls team. That's what the first four songs feel like. It's like, okay, let's get let's get everybody to meet the boys. Now let us just get ready. Right, the that's not why. Powerhouses. That's not, not why I cut it where I did, but that's a perfect. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I wanted to. I cut it because the boys' team is here, and then the girls' team is next, and that's why yeah. I saw. I thought it was a perfect cut point. That's awesome. <laughs> um, for me, for me, it's just. A, I don't have anything else to add other than it's a. It's it's a brilliantly done, captivating introduction. When introductions are difficult. A lot of exposition yeah. in any introduction. It's hard to get your points across and give people everything they need to know. And it was done. Normally, I find the intros to things to be the least um, amazing part about it or the part that I like the least. In my Bridgerton podcast, I rated the first episode the lowest and I knew that I would just after watching it. Oh, whereas, interesting. Whereas this, I can't point to the intro and say that it lacks anything compared to the rest of it, which for me, because me as a person who typically doesn't like introductions as much, I find them to often be boring or like the exposition is just too tough or or you just know what the parts are just there because you need to know that and not there because they fit well. Whereas Hamilton mm-hmm. has none of those issues for me. It's just a perfectly crafted introduction into our story. Yeah, I agree. I really do. All right, and that's going to that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Where can we find you on the internet? What do you want to plug? What is your MO? What do you want people to know about you before they before they tune out? Yeah, you know, I play some Civilization 6 with a bunch of my friends. I do that on the internet. Um, but uh you can also find my professional website uh for theatrical design at vectorcat.com. So I guess we can throw a link into the um into the show notes. Yeah. Everything that. you want to be in the show notes will be in the show notes. Whatever yeah, it is cool. you send me. So that's Vector Cat with K's. That's my my online handle. Um and you can find me on Reddit under that handle at the um Civ Six Challenge League and in Discord as well. But uh I think this is for you and me both, understandably, more of a uh more of a personally branded show than the uh than the Twitch. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm kind of being a bit of an <laughs> asshole a little bit because I'm using I'm using my kind of secondary love of of playing Civilization with everyone and all the community we built there. I'm kind of using them to be the initial viewers of this podcast <laughs> while not while not giving them any of the credit 
for for kind of being the initial viewers, right? And that's how we met. It's important to know that. That's how we met. We didn't meet yeah. over a love of Hamilton. We met over playing video games together. And that's how this is a kind of sec- in our personal relationship. This is kind of the next step as well. So yeah, it's separate, but I'm going to bank on those people for a little bit yeah. of the initial um, boost for the podcast. Um, well, for for the for me and for the rest of the podcast, thank you guys so much for joining us on our deep dive today. Just a reminder before we let you go that you can head to Twitter at Let's Dive Deep and our email address at Let's Dive Deep Pod at gmail.com. Please go to those places, continue the discussions. I'd love to chat on Twitter or via email about the. As you can tell. I love talking about this this musical. It's been about two hours, two and a half hours we've recorded this episode, and I don't even feel like it's been five minutes. So so please reach out <laughs> and, and chat on those platforms. I, I'd love to see you there. In the next episode, we will be discussing the Skylar Sisters, Farmer Refuted, You'll Be Back, and Right Hand Man. So that's what's coming up next. This podcast will be coming at you a little bit early because I want the first episode to have a little more time to hit all of the different podcatchers. We will normally do be doing Friday releases with a, a couple of Monday releases kind of uh, put in there to, to change it up. Some people like to listen to their podcasts on a Monday before work. So mostly Friday releases every week with a couple of Mondays thrown in there to, to change things up. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you in the next one.